You're listening to I Hate the Fins. Welcome, everyone. My name is Keith. I am your host, joined by my usual co-host, Zach. Zach, who are we hiring as an offensive coordinator? Uh, me. I, I need a, a pay raise anyway, so it'd be nice to uh, get a little bit of a bump there and still I'll, call shitty plays. I'll endorse you. Uh, <laughs> so we'll get really into that in a second. Uh, Want to go through some hate mail? Hell yeah, that's my favorite part. I, I love when people send you stuff. Oh man, we we have people who just try to skin us verbally. Sometimes they sometimes they they achieve what they're looking to do. Okay, so uh, we did that Alabama ranking. Yeah, with the receivers. Man, did we piss some people off with that? Good. So we both had Devonte Smith, Devonta Smith, number one overall. We didn't get any flack for that. But you putting Amari Cooper last, you ruffled some feathers with that one. Yeah. I mean, again, we don't need to go back into it, but Amari Cooper, just the guys that have come after him have been so dynamic in so many different ways. He was very, very well-rounded, but. I think that's it. I mean, like, not amazing in any one area, but I would call him, yeah, I wouldn't go with the total package, but. I mean, he he does everything that you're looking for from a modern NFL receiver. I think, um, yeah. So people were a little upset about that, but people were also upset with the fact that I had Jerry Judy last. And I mean, we explained it on the show. I love Jerry Judy. You know that. Yeah. I mean, I was obsessed with that guy. But I think of of the six guys we we discussed, I think he has the worst hands. So, and I, I mean, that's kind of a qualifier when you're talking about these guys. So, but he's also the best route runner. Yeah. So, by, I, I would say that he's already one of the best route runners in the league. I mean, you're not going to find many guys with that natural uh, hesitation, jab step, just the way he's able to, to fake with his, with his head. I mean, it's a clinic every time he's really smooth. I mean, he even did at the combine when he was uh, running routes for the quarterbacks. So, He's a lot of fun. Uh, I got some shit because I had Ruggs third. I don't know why anyone would have a problem with that. I mean, Henry Ruggs in terms. Henry Ruggs is not a glorified number two receiver. I mean, the guy is, you watch the tape at Alabama. The guy is willing to do the dirty work. My only hang up with Henry Ruggs is that he can't stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, he's the closest thing to this Sean Jackson you're going to get. And people were totally fine with him coming out of Cal. So, yeah. So, yeah, we, we upset people with that. Uh, and then the whole thing with Jamar Chase. This is uh, great. We yeah. got, we got, man, it's, and if you're on social media right now, I try, I've tried to avoid it a little bit, but I can't help it. I get sucked in at one point or another. And you're, you're seeing a divide between some people think Devonta Smith is the best receiver in this class. Some people think it's Jamar Chase. And then it's really weird the takes. People say Jamar Chase is faster. Devonta Smith is faster. Chase is a better route runner. Smith is a better route runner. And then the big one. Chase was 19 when he had his big season. Smith was 22. To which I'd argue, I mean, you're getting multiple years of consistent production out of Devonta Smith. He was he was producing when he was in the big four, when he pretty much had the Beatles in there. And then when it's just when Jalen Waddle goes down, he just takes over and it's just him. 
which I think is something that you, you'd give him props for. And 22 is not old. I mean, Calvin Ridley was what? Was he 24 when he was drafted? He was close, right? Yeah, he he was on the old side of 23. I, I mean, I think to sum this argument up without hitting it all again, it's just like, I think when you have... These, Hit it all. When you have two players that are just outstandingly good players and you have a preference for one over the other, like there are going to be some points where you have to agree to disagree and that's all it's going to be. So, I mean, like if you like chase over Smith, that's fine with me. That is just not my current preference. I love both guys. Um, and I love the idea that the dolphins are likely to get one of them, but I, I do like them for different reasons. And I mean, both guys are fluid outrunners. I think both guys are going to run in the four fours. I think Devonta Smith much has been discussed regarding his his overall long speed. I think his long speed is fine. I don't think you spend that much time behind SEC defenses if you can't run. I don't. I just don't see that. So I mean, I love both guys. I I don't see why you have to go Coke or Pepsi on this one. But the reason I brought all this up is we got an email that said. Jamar Chase is great. You guys are assholes. I mean, both Check are factual. Yeah, th- yeah, those those are both true and factual things. So I, I don't see why there's an issue with that email. Yeah, I love it. So mm, let's let's start with the national championship. Let's go chronologically here. All right. Yep. Talk about, talk about that game. I was hoping for fireworks, offensive shootout, uh, electricity. I got it from one of the participating schools. Mm-hmm. Ohio State just, I mean, the the thing that we need to, I guess, preface this entire discussion with is the fact that uh, Justin Fields is clearly still hurt. Yeah, I think he's definitely trying to push through stuff. Um, I mean, it's so tough, too. Asking somebody to play Alabama is just super unfair, no matter what the circumstances are. And, like, the offensive firepower on Alabama versus what Ohio State had. And Ohio State has some really good offensive players. I mean, Master Teague really started coming into his own this year. Uh, Chris Olave's always been really good, was kind of closed out a little bit. Um, Garrett Wilson had a really good season, uh, being a younger guy for that team too. Um, yeah. the, tight, the tight ends came really alive towards the end of the year. Uh, 88 is Rucker, Rickert. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like they have some good pieces. It's just like, they are different pieces that aren't built to keep up with Alabama. And like you said it right off the top, like the Alabama guys did what the Alabama guys needed to do. I mean, Najee Harris was 150 plus for three touchdowns, uh, you know, combined catching and, uh, rushing. Um, I mean, Jalen hurt Jalen Waddle, who was should what? not have played football. Came no, back why was he up, even out there? I, I don't know. Um, but the dude put up 34 yards, you know, yeah. like 11, 11 yards per catch or whatever. Um, Devontae Smith, you know, did his thing, which I'm not surprised about. Um, again, I think everybody just did what you typically expect them to do as Alabama players. Um, so I mean. I, I don't think there was anything life-changing, groundbreaking. Um, I think if Justin Fields comes out, puts up a big day, you know, potentially even loses to Alabama still, but puts up, you know, 300-something yards, three or four touchdowns, and then, you know, maybe, you know, a touchdown with his legs or something like that, you get some some 
draft chatter out of that, but I, I think we're still on par for the course. Um, Trey Sermon got hurt, which made me big sad. Um, like on the second play of the game, he died. Yeah, and I love Trey Sermon. He has been yeah. one of my favorite players. He was so good at Oklahoma, and I was happy he caught on at Ohio State too. But, I mean, I think we got what we expected out of this um, playoff game and national championship. Um, not one of the more thrilling ones. Um, but, I mean, again, you got to see as a Dolphins fan, you know, Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle play some football, and like that's all you can ask for in the last college football game of the year. As the Dolphins have been in draft mode for what at least a few days, if not close to a week, prior to that game. Yeah, I think with uh, Justin Fields, every time he tried to throw the ball deep in that game, I mean the ball just hung up like laundry, and you could tell. Just I mean, he is favoring. It's got to be with the ribs. I yeah, mean, I'm, no doc- I'm no doctor, but he just he never looked comfortable out there. And a far cry from what we saw in the the first two quarters of that Clemson game. When I mean, granted, two different teams, but I mean, he had a ton of swagger. He looked comfortable. Uh, he looked fast. I mean, he was decisive in that game. I mean, he just shredded Clemson every way, every way you want. So I mean, clearly unhealthy. So I don't. All that's to say, I don't want to really ding him for what yeah. went down Monday night because I think he's much better than that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I agree. Um, but you know, good game, not the worst game to see to close out the season, but you'd like to see a little bit more fight from both teams, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was over after really it was over before the, the, uh, first half even ended. Chris Olave kind of reminds me of Kenny Stills. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. It's a vibe I get when I watch him play. I love him. I think he's going to run really well. Um, a, a little bit more of a, a slender build, but you know, strong route runner uh, is just going to rip the cap off most defenses he finds. So, I mean, that's exciting. And then as you mentioned, when it, it's difficult when you lose your bell cow on the second play of the game. And I don't know what he ended up breaking his collarbone, right? Uh, I do not remember what the final diagnosis was on I, that. I think that's what they said. Something shoulder collarbone related, pr- pretty brutal, but Everyone's going to talk about what Devonta Smith did, and rightfully so, because that first half of football was about as good a performance as you're ever going to find from a wide receiver playing college football. Yeah, but we, like we said off air, yeah, you know, I mean he feasted on Sean Wade, who's just been in a free falls of late. He's just not been playing well. He gets tough Borland on a bunch of assignments, and he just <laughs> he just absolutely vaporized that poor guy. Yeah. Yeah, and like it was, it was nice to see too. Like that first touchdown he had is that uh, that scripted, you know, wide receiver motion jet pass um, kind of bubble screen kind of thing that they run there in the red zone, and like he looked fast doing that. So again, like when people are concerned about his speed, like I don't care if he even comes in and runs a four five four in shorts in Indy. Like you go back and you watch those kind of plays, and like I'm good. Yeah, every time he made a race to the pylon. Monday night he won and some he, he won surprisingly easily so with surprising ease I guess you'd say uh I mean he's gonna he's gonna go high in the draft and I mean it's not overblown hype with this guy as we mentioned I mean he's produced the entire time he's been at Alabama and he was right to stay you know because right now he's probably gonna be I mean, Jamar Chase is going to have something to say about it. One of those two is going to be the first guy drafted. I thought before the season started that Jalen Waddles 
uh, skill set was going to be irresistible to a team picking in the in the top 10, maybe the top five. It could still happen. I think that maybe they were trying to do him a little bit of a service, getting him out there on Monday night. But he it looked like they had screwed his leg on before the game started. Yeah, it just not a not a good deal for him and not really something you want to see. But as far I can't look at that guy and watch him play without remembering your comp, which is John Ross with arms. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could also, I mean, there's so many guys that fall into that bucket. I mean, like, like thicker built T.Y. Hilton kind of makes some sense, too. Um, mm-hmm. But like the dude's just got juice. Like, that's all there is to it. Yeah, but I mean, he can get dirty, too, which yeah. is oh, yeah, yeah, important. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's not a finesse guy. I mean, you saw that play when uh, they went ahead and, and ran what essentially what was a glorified driver out with Devonta Smith. I think that was against Missouri. And then the the high safety bites and uh, uh, Jalen Waddle just absolutely he I mean, he gets the middle of the field and then has to make a contested catch and does it. He goes up for it. I mean, and he had no problem going up and trying to bang for it. So, I mean, that's when you I don't know what he's going to end up measuring in at height wise. What do they have him listed at five ten? Yeah, I think so. I think that might be a more true um, height for Alabama than we've complained about in the past, though. Yeah, I th- he looks he doesn't look short to me. I figured like with I mean Alabama is always what one to two inches shorter, depending on on who you're talking about. We always bitch about the whole like Drake or Patrick thing, but I think you're right. I think he might be actually a legit five ten. Which I mean, when when you're talking about the the combination of of power and speed that he has, if he comes in at five nine, I don't I don't care. I thought he would come in at maybe before the season. I was like, this guy could be five eight for all we know. I mean, with these these uh, misinformation merchants at uh, at Alabama, but like Rugs listed at six foot five eleven. Judy was listed at six one, and he actually was six one. So props to them for not lying there. We'll see with Devonta Smith too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, he looks he looks tall. I think he might actually be a legit. Six one. I'm curious to see his arm length, but there because there are times where he looks like an absolute condor. Yeah, his his arm, it, it, his fingertips are like well past his knees half the time you look at him. Yeah, so curious to see what happens there. Uh, let's talk about. Well, let's finish off this discussion because you mentioned Najee Harris, who really put the full skill set on display. That I mean, you had Ohio State plenty of chances to drop him behind the line of scrimmage, and Najee Harris was just not not having it you know uh took multiple guys to to get him down uh caught the ball well which is i think going to be a big perk when people are talking about Nigel harris being an early draft pick in terms of the first round i think you have to really um pay attention to the fact that i mean he's an outstanding running back but he improves your passing game too yeah and i mean like what you know we can have that first round running back value conversation all day long, but like, we don't need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I think between Najee Harris and ETN, like I feel much better about taking one of those two as a first round back than any of the guys that they were tossing around last year. Um, And I, I liked Deandre Swift a good amount last year, but these guys are, are much different contributors um, in an all around sense and stuff. But no, I mean like, uh, it's it's good to see Najee do his thing, and then he had that that presser at the end where somebody was like, um, 
hey man like you made it look easy out there like you know how, how was that experience and he's like easy like these are all five-star dudes blowing me up every chance they get like there's nothing easy about that like it's not a walk through the park like you guys make it sound yeah, that was when they asked him how he was able to to do Ohio State so effortlessly. I love his pressers. Yeah. Like he he's cool, he's humble, he's respectful. He's Brian Flores guy. Yep. You know. So I I can see those two becoming fast friends and frankly I hope that does happen. Uh Yeah. He's he's got the look of a bell cow. I've heard some people question his long speed looks fine to me i think that but the what he brings to you in terms of passing game value i love because he kicks ass in the passing game and i mean he's the epitome of a a three down back because in pass pro he's an he's an absolute bulldozer too so that's exciting stuff all right let's move it we brought up the offensive coordinator talk and we were joking in the beginning but we need to have that discussion now because they sent Chan Gailey walking. Uh, well, they what he he technically resigned the day after they said that he was staying on. Nothing, nothing shady about that. So right now we're seeing they they put out the list yesterday, some interesting names on there, and a lot of the guys we expected. I think mm-hmm. I don't want to speak for you, but I I feel like we've we've talked about a lot of these dudes. I wasn't expecting Tony Elliott from Clemson. No, frankly. not that Yeah, so that was surprising. And then soon after, came out that he wants to stay at Clemson. I can't imagine why. You know, that, that's a pretty good game. I think uh, Venables is the same way, though. Yeah, yeah. There. I mean, it's one of those things, too. It's like, it's like the conversation every year with, oh, is somebody going to go after Lincoln Riley as the next head coach for their football team in the NFL? It's like, no, like he's got a really solid, nice job that pays him a shit ton of money, so he's probably not going to do that. Yeah, I mean, he's in his comfort zone, too. And plus, look at the the quarterback transfers he was pulling there. You know, I mean, he's always going to have the ideal trigger man in that scheme. So, yeah, you know people reached out to him. I, I remember reading some story. I forget who. Somebody was, was trying to get in his ear about it. And it sounds like it didn't go far. Yeah, anyway. I mean, like, you, you can say the same thing for um, Hamilton um, or Tony Elliott um, that uh, – He's going from Trevor Lawrence to DJ Ungalele. Like, doesn't get much better for quarterback situation for you as an offensive guy. Yeah. I mean, you think about what Clemson... I mean, you had the the brief bridge with Kelly Bryant, but to essentially go from Deshaun Watson to Trevor Lawrence, and, I mean, now now you're moving on to the, the next phase. I mean, like, that is a... <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you can ask for more in, in terms of who uh, is your, your starting quarterback in... in uh, in college football. All right. So some of the names on there, George Godsey, obviously I think for, in terms of the in-house candidate, he's got to be the favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Studesville. Yep. Yeah. On there. All right. And then, uh, the outside names, we mentioned Elliot. I expected to see Pep Hamilton on there. He is. Mm-hmm. And then Mike McDaniel. Yeah. Yeah. Which we t- I, we were in that thread yesterday, and we were talking about that. We can go over some of these. Guys. Oh, and Matt Canada. Yep. Uh, yep. Mentioned him too. Uh, so we can break down what you kind of expect to see with with some of these guys. First off, though, 
in terms of the in-house candidate, would you go Gatsy? I like Gatsy. I don't. He he's got background as an offensive coordinator. Where was he offensive coordinator? Um, I want to say Houston. Um, he, but whatever, it doesn't matter where it was. But he has offensive coordinator experience in the NFL, which is good. Um, I think that is what he has over Studsville. Uh, I think Studsville has done an excellent job with the Dolphins running backs all these years. Um, but outside of that, like, what do you got for me? Um, but Godsey, I mean, technically was the tight ends coach this year. Um, got switched to quarterback coach after the COVID issue with the Dolphins this year. And he closed out the year that way. You know, has built a really good relationship with Tua. Um, so I think if you want to keep things in-house um, and he seems that he has more invested in Tua than um, Chan Gailey might have had, I think that would definitely make sense. Has the experience, has the investment, makes sense. Yeah. Chan Gailey was there for, for Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't think that... Yeah. It's a stretch to to suggest that because I mean, Tua. Maybe they thought they were going to draft him if if he were to appear in the twenty twenty draft. But I don't. I don't think it was an ideal fit. I think that they absolutely committed to Tua, and they might have liked what what Changeli brought to the table in terms of some of his play calling. But when you look at where where he was with Tua, it wasn't a great fit, and it was not going to be a great fit, and we'll get more into that. In terms of the outside coordinators, who do you like the most? Um, I really like Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel has done a lot of good work there um, and has built a running game and a running back room for the 49ers that have, you could argue, been the leaning point for the 49ers up to this point. Um you know, they weren't very much, they were a very defense and uh, run game heavy when they went to the Super Bowl um, or, or made that run there. Um, you know, and that's kind of what the Dolphins are looking to do. Um, I, as much as all of the Dolphins fans probably want the Dolphins to be a 45 points a game, sling it around the yard, like, I don't really think that's what they're looking to do. Um, and I mean, you saw it this year, even with the the limited options and stuff like that, like, they are willing to go into football games, you know, get into uh, a fist fight and win in sometimes unconditional ways um, and lean on the back of their defense, their special teams, and uh, what offensive firepower they have when they need to. Um, so I think Mike McDaniel's really interesting based on what the Dolphins want to do. Um, I think there's a chance that they won't even get a crack at him because he may end up with uh, Salah in uh, New York now as the head coach of the Jets. Um, so I don't know if he'll get a crack at that. They've been in a lot of communication so far with Pep Hamilton, which is nice. Um, I think I probably feel the best about Pep Hamilton. Um, I mean, he started, he started off at... I think he started as the quarterback coach in the late nineties at Howard. Um, yeah. and, and then he like, I think he was with the jets for a while uh, as quarterback and wide receiver coach. Then he was, I think he did a year with the 49ers in there, uh, that 2006 maybe. And then he, he was there for the, uh, the second year of the Rex Grossman uh, yeah. bears nonsense too. Yeah. 2007. Yeah. In Chicago. 
Yeah. And, and then from there, he transitioned to uh, go work with Andrew Luck at Stanford, which went well. Um, and what's really interesting about that one specifically, um, and my uh, my Jets buddy, give him a, a shout out today, um, which I typically do on these shows. Um, we were having a conversation last week when the Jets started looking for a coach that uh, when Harbaugh signed back to Michigan, he was super happy because he doesn't like Harbaugh anymore after saying, you know, he loved both of them for so long. Um, maybe not loved. He he respected the, the style of coaching that they produced. But then, like, you kind of go back and look at, like, okay, where did the quarterback production come from with uh, – which one is that, Jim? John? Jim. Jim Harbaugh. Jim. At Stanford? Uh, yeah. So, like, yeah. at Stanford, like, was the production that Stanford had because he had an actual generational quarterback talent and potentially a good coach like Pep Hamilton? Um, what about when he went to the 49ers? Did he have, uh, for that Super Bowl run, uh, did he do the work to, to make that quarterback situation good? Or, like, was Colin Kaepernick exactly what they needed and was a, a solid quarterback at that point? Um you know, and then you go to Michigan and like, yeah, I mean, they haven't had anybody that's really been super outstanding um, as quarterback wise. But I mean, like they've had dudes that come in that should be at least serviceable enough to get you top 15, you know, top 10 standing as as the University of Michigan football team. Um, so that's that's the inter- interesting thing with Pep Hamilton with his Stanford stop. Um, from there, he went to be the offense coordinator with Luck at um, Indy, which worked out pretty well to get his career started. Um, and then I think he popped up to Michigan when he was looking for work after that with um, with Harbaugh. Uh, and then he did that DC Defenders slash um, Herbert best friend thing this year. So Pepe Hamilton has a good quarterback record if that is what they are looking for. Yeah, and... So I'm seeing the big knock on Pep Hamilton right now is I, I feel like whenever that term uh, QB whisper comes up, people get all bunged up about it. But if you're bringing him into Miami, because I mean he's the quarterbacks coach with the LA Chargers right now. If you bring him in, it's not like you're expecting him to turn shit into silver. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the idea of a really good quarterback coach is he is he works with someone who's talented. And he works to accentuate the parts of their game that stand out. And the thing is, like, I, I think that there's sort of a false assumption that Pep Hamilton made Justin Herbert good. Justin Herbert was good. Yeah. Justin Herbert was good at Oregon. Or the scheme, the scheme just sucked. You, you know, the 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 overall approach there was not good. And you said that countless times on this program. That I mean, Justin Herbert was was fine at Oregon. It wasn't it wasn't the the product. It was the system. So it's not like he went to the Chargers and like a a switch flipped and he went from from shitty to great. I mean, he had a ton of talent, and we talked about how th- there was very little that was horizontal about that scheme this year. Uh-huh. They yep. they had him they had him throwing downfield just blitzkrieg. I mean, he's got the big arm. I mean, he was accurate downfield. He looked great. Especially you think of some of those games that he had um, uh, against New Orleans on Monday night. I mean, he was he was awesome. That's a game they should have won. You know, Mm -hmm. it came down to the end and 
a lot of the the clock management issues and the special team stuff that haunted the Chargers all year uh, reared reared its ugly head in that game. But Herbert looked outstanding, and I think that it's a mix of he's a really talented prospect, he's a talented player, and Pep Hamilton put him in a position to succeed. And I mentioned that uh, on Twitter. I think it was late last week just talking about how if you're excited about the fact that Herbert goes into a situation where they let him be him and they work to its strengths, you got to give two of the same right, right? I mean, you think so. And then people are like, well, there's just a big physical difference. Sure. I mean, the thing is, like, Justin Herbert's built like a lot of the guys who improvise really well. And improvisation has gone from a perk to something that is a is huge in today's NFL. You think about Mahomes improvises out of the pocket, Aaron Rodgers, the, you know, an absolute magician in terms of making things work when the play breaks down. But you think like there are guys like Drew Brees, Drew Brees isn't, isn't anyone who creates outside of the pocket. Drew Brees is the ultimate trigger man in that, in that offense. And I think that's ultimately where Tua's strength is, but we saw in that Arizona game that Tua can work outside the pocket. He did plenty of things. He, he moved the chains, multiple times with his legs in that game and had some real like highlight real plays uh, during that contest. It's not going to be on a Mahomes level or a Rogers level or even a Russell Wilson level in terms of the athleticism. But I mean, the guy dislocated his hip a year ago, you know, we're still working for advanced mobility. I think that they need to work on, um, this is going to sound stupid, but like when Aaron Rodgers was drafted by the Packers, you remember like the big knock on him was his arm strength at Cal as Cal was deemed less than ideal, which in hindsight seems hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. But the, at, at the time, people were like, well, his, his arm's not that strong. Well, he did have the arm strength and Green Bay's quarterback coach. And they sat down and they really worked on strengthening the the little muscles in his shoulder and everything. And they really worked on getting his arm as strong as possible, which seems obvious, but it's really not. So, I mean, if you're in the off-season program with Tua, you're working on on everything in terms of, show, I mean, like, he he's never going to have an outright blaster cannon, but I thought the first game when they played the Rams, I thought his arm strength looked great in terms of how he was driving the ball on, on short outs and whatnot. I mean, it looked fine. I mean, that guy was really putting it in there so much so that I it looked like the receivers were having a, a horrible time handling the or corralling the football. But anyway, that that was a long rant. But I think that if you're if you're against Pep Hamilton because you think that we need to bring him in because Tua has absolutely no talent and he's just going to he's going to turn the pumpkin into a carriage. That's not the case. And you're probably going to hate the idea. But if you love the the thought that Pep Hamilton is going to see everything that Tua did. You know, we talked about the four, the four verts at Alabama, putting him in that kind of offense where, I mean, like the guy is incredibly advanced instead of in terms of being able to go get through his progressions. Uh, and I still think I saw some people dick ding him on uh, anticipate anticipation this year, but I think that there's plenty of that there. So I don't know, but Pep, I'm cool with. I saw some people weren't feeling it, but I love the idea of bringing him in and getting the most out of Tua. Yeah, and then the last one we need to talk about is uh, Matt Canada, which he's had a really odd career. Um, and like for the most part, if you go back and look at what he's done, and especially in the college ranks, he's really made more chicken shit into like 
halfway decent chicken salad. Um, he, he usually takes offenses that are, you know, in the hundreds ranking up into like the sixties or maybe the forties, uh, which is, is pretty good, but at the same time, not super great. Um, and the question, the, the big weird question, I mean, even just, this is just a question that I would ask somebody interviewing for any job is like his, his career since 2016 has been. University of Pitt 2016 offensive coordinator, LSU 2017 offensive coordinator, Maryland 2018 offensive coordinator, nothing 2019, 2020 with the Steelers. So like it's been every year he's been bumping around and like some of that's due to coaching staff changes and so on and so forth. But like, you know, if if a coaching staff is getting changed, like probably has something to do with your, your coaching ability. So um, I don't, I don't foresee Matt Canada being the choice. Um, he could be, he wouldn't be a terrible choice, but at the same time, he just doesn't move the needle for you, honestly. Yeah. He's been the coaching equivalent of the Travelocity gnome. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot I like about his scheme. I think he dresses things up really well. I mean, you're seeing the operative word when people describe what Matt Canada, Matt Canada does is motion. He motions the shit out of everything. And, you know, I mean, he's able to create a lot of deception. I mean, a lot of stuff looks the same. A lot of stuff looks different. Uh, he, in terms of being able to disguise what what he's trying to do, he does it very well. So I like him. Uh, but I agree that it's a little weird. I mean, just not really a, a longstanding presence anywhere. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, let's see here. You're not really watching any of their games, so <laughs> no, that that's that's the problem. Once the Dolphins are done, I'm I dip out. It's over. Season's over, draft mode, moving on. I feel you. All right. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going through the list. I mean, we pretty much covered everything. One thing I do want to mention when we we're talking about McDaniel, uh, I'll get your take on this. Because the thing about I love about him, I'm all about the big passing game. I think it's great, but the thing I love about Kyle Shanahan's offense is you have that balance. Yeah. You know, you're, you're really, you have a, a strong deep backfield and then I mean, really you're going to get a ton of production production out of the tight end too. So in, in that, in that role too, I think they're going to expect their guy. It's not a completely flexed out position from what I've seen. They like guys who can do some inline work too, which brings, mm-hmm. brings up this point. If you did bring in Mike McDaniel, and you mentioned earlier uh, Salah going to the New York Jets, he took Lafleur, the passing game coordinator, with him, right? Oh, maybe he did. I did not yeah. see that. Yeah, he took Lafleur with him, but I mean, I think the the danger there then is I worry that McDaniel just becomes the the OC. That would and, make sense. Yeah, I mean, I certainly hope that doesn't happen. But anyway, so suppose McDaniel does get the the job with the dolphins would you make it at all a priority that maybe you wouldn't have right now to go after someone like a kyle pitts i mean like as much as i love kyle pitts kyle pitts gives you really the same thing that gasecki gives you if there's a tight end that the team targets early to go after to compliment gasecki 
they may just go back to Penn State and go Pat Fryermuth. I think yeah, that's Fryermuth. a guy that makes more sense to to compliment in a Mike Daniels um led offense than anything. So um I, I don't see tight end being any sort of priority though. Um Dolphins got a lot out of Sahin, which is good. Um I'm very happy it pissed all your Bears fans friends off. Um and they were uh, about that. And uh Smythe looked really good when he had his opportunities this year too. Like he he proved that like throw him the ball like it's it's okay to do that. I think it's the one thing that surprised me about Kyle Pitts game. I think he's a much better blocker than people realize. Yeah. So where yeah. I mean, there there are some examples where I mean, like he he can definitely take on some beef and, and hold up. And all that's to say that I think the reason I mentioned him is is that great mix of if you want to go ahead and throw him in that F type role, totally cool. Uh, but he's not some guy who has to stay out there. So, and I mean, like we talked before, I mean, when you get these matchup advantages with these dudes who are six six, and Kyle Pitts is going to come in around there, who run like wide receivers. Then I mean, are you really worried about the the inline thing? You know, if if he can't really cut it there, but I think if he can, then that just adds one more dynamic to an offense that's going to want to get more balanced on the ground anyway. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Um, the one thing that we probably do need to talk about we we haven't done a show since it started rumbling around. Um, as much as we may not want to do this or or stir up the pot any any at at all. Um. I guess we should probably talk about the Deshaun Watson thing just to to put it out there to say we've talked about it. Mm-hmm. I hate using the word, but if you want to talk about elite quarterbacks in the NFL, he's there. I mean, like he checks all the boxes. I mean, absolute leader. I think it's funny that he was listed as the guy with the lowest throw velocity at the 2017 combine because I mean, like he's got a blaster cannon, throws really well, creates outside the pocket. Uh, student of the game uh it just seems like a good dude this whole situation is absolutely out of hand right now and but at the same time seems like it you could see it coming because the mcnairs have just struggled to 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 hit the right notes uh with this with this roster and then so what is the the big hold up or the big hang up here is he wants eric Bieniemy. As the yeah, head coach, I don't, I don't even know if it's specifically he wants somebody specifically. I think he just want. I think the conversation that happened with him when the transition of leadership occurred is that, hey, Deshaun, like you're our guy, like we want you to know that, like, and I think he said that. Well, when the coaching hire happens, like I want to be involved in the GM coaching hire because, like. I don't want to waste my time here. Um, so like, let's be on the same page with that. And I think they said, yep. Okay. That sounds good. And then McNair just went and, you know, courted and hired the GM that they've wanted forever. Um, and so I think Watson's just pissed because there was an agreement made and they said, you know, you're our guy. We respect you. Like we want you to be part of this process that you want to be part of. And it just didn't happen, which would piss anybody off. It gets weirder than that, though, because then they hire a firm to identify uh, ideal GM candidates, and then they completely ignored the findings. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, sh- I mean, I'm shocked with the McNairs that they're doing everything absolutely ass backwards. Yeah, no, no, no. Like Cal McNair is a total dickhead. Um, I have no problem saying that. 
with this whole situation, here's the deal though. Um, why in the hell would you say yes to him having input? I get that he's Deshaun Watson. He's he's your franchise and everything. But I feel like a better way to to handle that is to bring in a GM, uh, find a GM who works well with him. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But promising that just sounds like it's going to blow up in your face. But if you are going to promise that, then, I mean, you got to deliver. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, uh, I like your thought process better of like, hey, Deshaun, look, like, we're probably going to make the pick on the GM that makes the roster decisions and stuff like that. But then you two can work together. I, you know, we can't promise how much input that they will want to take from you, but we can promise you that you will get a conversation or two with them to give your input of the direction you want the coaching search to go. Um, I think that makes a little bit more sense, but yeah, who knows? But it's, it's that ownership is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, like I'm not, if Deshaun thinks he can shoot that shot, that's fine, but that's not something I would ever promise. I mean, the guy's what in his fourth year? Like I said, NFL superstar, no doubt, but I mean, he's not in the front office. You bring those guys in and pay them for a reason. I mean, unless you want to make Deshaun Watson the quarterback slash general manager, which I mean, like they've been into um, creating these slash roles, like the head coach slash GM that worked out really well for them. So, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, with, with all this said, the reason we bring it up and most people have already seen it is that, you know, they've, they've mentioned that if Deshaun Watson goes out, he's potentially even mentioned that Miami would be a, a potential destination that he'd be excited to go to. Um, and you don't see 25 year old elite level quarterbacks hit the market. Um, and so, if there's a team that has the firepower to potentially go get a player like that, it's probably Miami. So um, again, nothing, nothing too crazy on that front, nothing to get all hot and bothered and wild about that. People are getting all crazy about um, fun to think about fun to, to enjoy, but nothing's going to happen till March. So you might as well just enjoy the ride, you know, look at everything from all angles, be open to everything um, and just take it as it comes. I think the fact that they liked Chan Gailey and still, uh, in terms of appearances, parted ways with him, aka him resigning, is clear that they they are in it to win it with Tua. And why wouldn't you be? I, I mean, you can talk about the the overall result. Yeah, I mean, like he had a shitty last couple of games there. I mean, like he was not good against the Raiders, and then I mean against Buffalo, he he was completely lost. But I saw a lot during the year to say like, yeah, he's absolutely a guy who can be your franchise quarterback. It's they're going to be warts early on. It would be really weird if he came in and just won everything right off the bat. That's not really how it works. I mean, would it have been great to see him go in there and just absolutely mow down Buffalo? Sure. But we talked about before that game, who are the receivers that are going to help him make that happen? Me. Me. Yeah. They, they called me that morning and said, hey, can you dress for the game? I said, ooh, probably not. I'm probably not making a trip all the way up to Buffalo. Thanks for asking, guys. Well, shame on you for not being there for them. That's the thing, though. I mean, you talk about like it'd be great to see him throw for 400 plus yards, but I don't know the receivers who are going to go ahead and help deliver on that. And honestly, more or less, I'm okay with blowing up this receiver group. And I mean, you can keep key pieces. I think that uh, I think Bowden is a keeper Uh for sure. Uh, We talked about uh, who you like as a like a I think they're going to bring in at least one free agent. Just mm-hmm. depends on who. Like, I think that uh, 
I think Samuel's going to get way overpaid on the market. I love his skill set. Yeah, yeah. I I loved what he I loved his skill set when he was at Ohio State, but he's going to get overpaid. Ideally, I would love uh, Chris Godwin because as much as I despise Penn State, I couldn't get enough of that guy when he was there. You think about that Rose Bowl when like he just essentially took over before Sam Darnold pulled that game out. Um, yeah, I mean, there there are some guys out there. I've thought about the fact that, you know, if X really wants a $11 billion, you're talking about how a lot of people think that with the season he had, he's going to want uh buku bucks really to put him over the top because i mean like he's no longer even close to being the highest paid corner in the league yeah i mean if it gets out of hand would you use him to pry loose a premier receiver on another roster i mean is that an option yeah i mean i mean you could play that around i i don't think i I think while x may want to be the top paid guy i think he's i would hope to think that he's you know, realizes that being a top 10, any position paid player in the NFL is pretty nice in life. Um, you know, but I mean, you'll see where it goes from there. Um, one wide receiver free agent that I think could get some interest um, is uh, Demarcus Robinson too. Um, yeah. Because he's like in the same position that Albert Wilson was coming out of uh, Kansas city as well. It's just like too many cooks in the kitchen, but when he got the ball, like he made the most of it. Um, so, you know, I could see him being a guy um, that also fits that threshold of, you know, we'll pay you six, seven and a half a year for two years to come in. You know, you can try to earn a spot and we'll go from there. Yeah, he's sturdy for sure. Yeah, I like him. Uh, it's I mean, and then it's I think that you're going to bring in a free agent. Like I said, in terms of this this current wide receiver room, I'm not thrilled about it. I do think that Bowden is someone who brings a lot of juice uh, and flexibility to it, which is going to be interesting. But I think that you're talking about – I think you're going to draft a guy early, and then I think you're probably going to bring in another guy later. That's, yeah. that's what I would do at least. And it's granted, it's a tough position to draft and expect much from right off the bat, but I think that's why why Smith and Chase are – are regarded at the level that they that they are because I think that they're going to hit quicker than later. And some people will point to Justin Jefferson's season with Minnesota. I think that that was an ideal place for Justin Jefferson to go. I mean, he gets to play oh, next yeah. to a, a consummate professional in Adam Thielen, who's a shredder in his own right. And I mean, like he filled that Diggs role and then some. I mean, like that's a nice balance attack. He wasn't asked to be the guy, and he ended up being one of the guys anyway. I mean, like he was awesome. And then mm-hmm. people look back at what LSU did, and I mean, Justin Jefferson was always your your second biggest concern with that receiver core because Chase was the head shred there. Yep. So I mean, like, is that how it'll will it how things will translate at the NFL level? I mean, no. I mean, like Chase could end up not having nearly the the impact that Justin Jefferson had right off the bat. I mean, it's really difficult to tell these things. But in this kind of balance attack that we have, I like our chances. So Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, um, I think you're right on with uh, probably bringing in a free agent person. Um, You know, I I really doubt Albert Wilson and or um, uh, maybe Alan Hearns comes back, but I I think they're moving on from those guys. So you need another veteran guy to kind of share things up. Um, I think Jakeem's probably run his course while he 
had a solid season as a punt returner, like not going to, you know, pay the bills for what the Dolphins need to do. So um, I just wouldn't be shocked to see them bring in a free agent. Like you said, I think it's going to be a lower and or mid-level free agent on a prove it kind of deal. Um, like a Marvin Jones. Yes, exactly. Like don't, yeah. don't expect them to go out there and drop, you know, 12 to $16 million on, I'm not even going to put Allen Robinson in that bucket. Cause he's going to make closer to like 20. Um, but I mean, like, don't expect them to go out there and pay that to Curtis Samuel or Juju or like any of those guys. Like the dolphins, the dolphins just aren't looking for that. What they, what, what they're trying to invest in, um, you know? So again, probably take a guy early in the draft, you know, probably draft one on the back end for, for the hell of it. Um, Malcolm Perry did a nice job this year too. Uh, again, a little bit of a too many cooks on the kitchen situation with Malcolm Perry and um, Bowden. Uh, but I don't think the plan was to have Bowden on the dolphins this year. So when you yeah. get those opportunities, you take those opportunities, but yeah, I think we're on the same page with uh, how we're looking at wide receivers moving forward. Is it going to be funny when we talked about all the offensive coordinator stuff and they just end up hiring Gatsy or yeah, which, I should say promoting him? Excuse yeah, me. which which is nice. I mean, I, I don't want to say consistency is always great. Um, I think it brings some level of consistency. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's one of those things where I think he may be willing to do other things like he is not Chan Gailey, so he's not going to do things exactly the same. And I think if they make the hire, he's going to have to prove to them in the interview process that I am my own guy and I'm going to carve my own way with Tua uh, in mind as who we're going to carve it out with. Yeah. All right. 50 minutes. Not bad. Uh, Thanks to everyone for tuning in. Uh, Enjoy the games this weekend. And we'll be back next week. We'll probably have much more. Well, we might have an offensive coordinator by then. So that'll be something to talk about. In the meantime, my name is Keith. For Zach, thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon.